Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. After a midweek Betfred Cup bonanza, the mood has been lifted in Edinburgh. But there's angst in Aberdeen. Good job they've got a nice relaxing trip to Rangers this Saturday, because those games always pass without incident. St Johnson matches are passing without points. Can they get their first victory of the campaign against Motherwell? And what goal celebration does French Eddie have up his sleeve for Big Charlie Nick? Later we'll be joined by a man who loves Ross County more than anyone else and the Blue Brazil are on the rise in League 2. Cowden Beef director Tom Ewing joins us on the podcast. I'm Andrew Slavin and alongside me in the studio from the Telegraph it's JJ Bull and from the Mail my brother from another mother it's Harry Slavin. We're not related though. Not as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Although, Do you not say hi now? Do you not like wait for us to say hi when you say our names now? I, I just wanted to get in there, nice pacey, oh, twice get these both, you know... Two weeks in a row now done that, Yeah? Yeah. You're not a fan? I've noticed it. <laughs> Listen, I'm writing it down. You guys might be listening to us. JJ's amazingly listening to us because he's too busy drawing Chris <laughs> Boyd right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Pay attention, JJ. Okay. We'll move on from that and talk about Highland League news. Um, which we didn't have time for last week. Highland League side Keith FC accidentally liked to tweet about a sex toy. Accidentally, yeah. Being yeah. sold to an actor called Georgie Lyle, who's Scottish. This is um, one of those things where you get hacked because someone's accidentally liked something on your... Uh... Yeah, Keith say their Twitter account had been hacked, right? We did talk about this every day, and it's saying how it could be quite a good little source of revenue for lower league, well, Highland League football clubs, <laughs> if they were to like elicit the investment... From certain adult actresses. Oh, or adult websites. Yeah. So if you got like Jenna Jameson, say, say like <laughs> Turriff, <laughs> go and touch Jenna Jameson. Who? Turriff. And they said. I have no idea what you're talking about. Nairn County. Oh, right? sorry. I thought you meant Jenna Jameson. Nairn no idea County get in touch with Maya Mulkova. <laughs> <laughs> and, they get, and they're saying, this is a good way for you to make some money because this career doesn't last forever, baby. And then she could put some money in, right? <laughs> and then Nairn County, next thing you know it, boom, quarterfinal of the Betfred Cup. What could you imagine? <laughs> Go on. Well, JJ, I'd be fascinated to know, actually, if you could name enough porn stars to pair one off with each single could you get? Could you get, them, could you get them just, like, emblazoned on the shirt as well, just for a week? I've played against a team at university that were sponsored by Pornhub. Is that right? Oh, really? Well, who was the university? I was at University Newcastle of Sex. <laughs> I was, I think, I was at Newcastle University, and I think one of the intramural teams managed to get sponsored by Pornhub. That's amazing. You know, the fact that George Lyle is Scottish, she is now interested in Keith um, <laughs> FC. <laughs> she says, "Now, I'm, I'm always happy to attract new fans, and would love to go to a Keith FC match. I'll be looking out for their results now." Headline act of the weekend is at Ibrox. Rangers take on Aberdeen on Saturday. Rangers through to the semi-finals of the Betfred Cup while the Dons were dumped out. We're joined now by Ben Palmer who covers Aberdeen for the Times. Ben, is it typically Aberdeen to score two penalties in 90 minutes against Hearts and then none in the subsequent penalty shootout? It's just bizarre. It was as if they got a case of the Dundee Uniteds, wasn't it? It was just so, so, so strange. I mean, Cosgrove buried his two penalties during the game. And, I mean, he, he is someone who, when he stands up, you just expect him to score. Mm. And then when you see him stepping up in the penalty shootout and blazing one over the bar, no, it doesn't really, it doesn't really set a good tone for the rest of it, I suppose. Well, it's, it's only the second defeat in 10 Cup quarterfinals under Derek McInnes. It's been a bit of a different start to the season for Aberdeen. You know, previous years have been a bit better. Are there any kind of dissenting voices on the manager of late? As in more than normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certainly dissenting voices. Um, I mean, certainly down at Livingston last week, um, when McInnes was quite open and said that he went down there, he was going to be pragmatic. He wasn't there to play pretty football. He was there to win a game. I mean, he got the job done. And I mean, people don't like travelling three hours down the road to watch ugly football on an ugly pitch. <laughs> I mean, even if they are winning, people don't like that. 
I mean, the thing about McInnes was is that he always grinds out wins. He always tends to get Aberdeen through situations. But it's been, it has been a slow start to the season this year. Everybody got excited when they thrashed Chikura Sashkir 5-0 in the Europa League. Everybody was thinking, this is going to be great. Aberdeen are going to be playing exciting football this season. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, there's a disappointing performance against Dundee, disappointing performance against Livingston, against St. Johnston, and now we're knocked out of the quarterfinals of the Cup. So it's very, very strange times. What do you think um, the reaction will be if Aberdeen fail to beat Rangers on Saturday? Like, There's a fierce rivalry they want to win, but what tends to happen is that if Aberdeen do lose, people moan about Aberdeen not having a goal. So no matter what McKenna sets up as, whether he goes for them or sits back, people seem to just be against him quite a bit at the moment, I find. The Rangers game is always difficult because he, he's got a couple of decent results at Ibrox in recent years, but he, he's never gone down there to have a go. He's been down there, soak up the pressure, and then try and hit on a couple of counter-attacks. So that, that works and it looks good afterwards. But again, if, if he does that this weekend and they don't get a positive result, then all of a sudden the, it, it doesn't really matter how we played or how we've set out or how we've done the past. It's just a poor result this weekend. Do people expect Aberdeen to win down there this weekend? I don't think so. So, so I, don't, I mean, I don't think people would be too annoyed if, if they didn't come away with a win this weekend. It's, it's certainly the standout match just because of how fierce this rivalry is. JJ mentioned that. But why is it so fierce? You know, we had comments from Steven Gerrard. It was his first game in the division, which he said that Rangers were a class above them. Um, and he also said that Aberdeen always try harder against Rangers. They've always fared better against Rangers than, say, Celtic. Yeah, I mean, it's my favourite game in Scotland It's got everything It's just sheer poison Both sets of fans just hate one another I mean, it probably goes This stretches back People say cannot go all back to the Alex Ferguson years It goes back further than that I mean, Glaswegians and Aberdonians are totally different people Which, I mean, even when you think about it It still doesn't explain the rivalry between Aberdeen and Rangers Because there isn't the same hatred between Aberdeen and Celtic I don't think Rangers fans particularly like that Aberdeen in the 80s uh, punched above their way. And then in recent years, when Rangers went down, of course, the first time Rangers play a game in the League 2, they go up to Peterhead. Um, Aberdeen fans are putting banners in the motorway, just sort of taking the mickey out of, out of the plight. And then even mm. and then Rangers' first game back at Pataudry, when James Madison, of course, scored the, the free kick, last few minutes of the game just sheer poison between supports just hun- hundreds of seats being thrown over the fence and the Pataudry stand so it's a, it's a fascinating fascinating rivalry six sending offs last season um, sendings off sendings offs offs Offs. sendings it's like Ballon's door sendings <laughs> off yeah. uh, Alfredo Morelos got three of those He's to calm down a bit this season, though. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. He's so, been talked yeah. to, isn't do you, he? Do you expect to see red this weekend? Yes. Not you, specifically. <laughs> I mean, the main protagonists of the sendings off, sendings off are uh, <laughs> Scott McKenna and Alfredo Morelos, who like to kick each other. Yeah, three of those for, for Morelos. But I think McKenna is um, still injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aberdeen's got a bit of a problem just now, actually, because they're missing most of the midfield. Uh, missing Craig Bryson, like we were speaking about last week. So it's a mid, like a makeshift midfield played against Hearts, um, which is uh, Lewis Ferguson and Dean Campbell, young Dean Campbell, who mm-hmm. got cramped bad at the end. But they're really short midfielders, so you think it's probably going to be something similar against Rangers. It'll almost certainly be Aberdeen sitting back and trying to block them, because that's what Rangers don't like, and they run out of ideas really quickly. And the players you'd think would be able to create, like Morelos, Dangerous play them because he might get sent off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe Arabo was one of the players who would make who gives him like a creative spark, and he got his head caved in against Livingston mm-hmm. in the cup. Yeah, Ricky Lambie, yeah, yeah, yeah he was like that. Lambie, so there, there were out players like Ryan Kent's obviously still injured. So there are out players that are able to break down these teams that defend in in low blocks, trying to frustrate them. St Johnson tried, but get cut open on transition a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they scored a set piece as well. That's something that Rangers do a lot of. So I think if Aberdeen can avoid giving away silly fouls. They'll give them a better chance of staying in the game, but it's just it's a weakened team. Rangers should win this. I, sorry, on. I was just going to say I think I do think obviously Morelos used to be a bit of a, a liability, but it's very clear that he has calmed down a lot this season. Um, definitely a good thing for Rangers because but it's inside he's him though, a lot you see. more. Well, I, I mean, he's definitely come across as a lot more reliable. I mean, if you look at his kind of his booking record when you compare like 
last season, this season, meaning domestically, he's actually he's he's perfect. He's he's yet to even pick up a booking. Obviously, a couple in Europe, but I think it, it's really good for Steven Gerrard to actually be able to call upon him, actually rely on him this season. But I think it kind of works against him a little bit as well because as he continues to score and stay on the pitch, mm-hmm. it is just going to alert bigger clubs to him. I just think with regards to kind of because that was the only blot on his record last season was his disciplinary record yeah. and it does seem that that now has been sorted out Aberdeen players will absolutely try and wind him up like Codstein will be at him the whole game Gerard has options I know not so much in midfield but Rangers have the likes of Brandon Barker who's available that can pick up from Jordan Jones I think Barisic is a big player on Saturday because yeah? it depends who Don's play at right back Shea Logan who I really like watching over the years I think he's just lost a percentage of what made him good and I'd say he was largely at fault for the, the goal that Hearts equalised with on, on Wednesday night, not uh, going out quick enough to close down the man. It was the end of the game, you, you know, he's tired, but you still have to just make that effort. And I think that's something to do with the way you're thinking about the game. You're not desperate to win it. But, and I think Barisic, uh, if he can get forward and put in delivery from there, Logan, you'd have to track him. What they have to make sure they do is not give away penalties, because that is how Aberdeen score goals at the moment. The big Sammy Cosgrove. Although he, although well, he missed the one in the shootout, yeah. he scored two. He's very good at them. He's scored seven this season now. Well, if we can just touch on Cosgrove, I think what you saw on Wednesday was that, you know, if, if Rangers go with Hellander and Connor Goldson as the centre-backs again, they really struggled against Lyndon Dykes, who's got less physicality than Cosgrove. I'd say, I'd say he's more aggressive than Cosgrove, to be fair. Yeah, OK. Dykes, like, like th- but my, my, my point is, Cosgrove can cause just as many problems. But Cosgrove's not the same player as Dykes. They look similar because they're both tall, big lads. Sure. And I, I've written a piece in the Telegraph, the Scottish edition on Friday morning, about Sammy Cosgrove. I spoke to Derek McInnes and, and, and Cosgrove about how he's turned from being lower league nobody. Like He had scored a goal in like four million games and then all of a sudden 14 and 18... Last season, now we all know the story about Sam Cosgrove, how he's mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about it. But he's a different player to someone like Dykes. He's got better at linking play, and like, even his first touch you saw against Hearts on Wednesday night. You see, he's, his he now looks like a level above some of his teammates, which he definitely wasn't when he started. Mm-hmm. One of the, the interesting things I thought that McInnes was telling me, and, and Cosgrove told me as well, like unprompted, uh, was that McInnes and Tony Dock have been working with him in the training ground to make him think he's a five foot nine striker not a six foot two. Mm. A five foot nine striker goes looking, hunting in the box for goals in a different way. You're not going to attack it with your head, you use your size, you're going to look and use your movement and your cunning. So by trying to make him think he's smaller than he is, it means he's attacking the ball in different ways and that's how he's often scoring goals. In saying that, seven of his goals are penalties. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it's the confidence you've got. That, and even one of the things that McKenna said I thought was interesting was he's saying how the confidence of scoring goals is something a coach cannot put into a player. Mm-hmm. So Cosgrove has got so good as he is just now because of the confidence that's helped him grow and he's come from being quite a skinny lad when he came to being an absolute unit. And he says even the way he looks with his like top off, he looks like good now. And that'll give him confidence, what I've been told. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. The Premiership weekend kicks off at Easter Road on Saturday lunchtime as Hibs host Celtic. Which, as it turns out, will be the warm-up for the Betfred Cup semi-final between the two in November. We said last week, guys, that the victory for Hearts in the derby might not turn people around on whether Craig Levine should stay. But defeat for Hibs certainly puts Paul Heckingbottom under more pressure. Yeah, it looks actually quite bleak for him. He had such a good season when he came in. The end of last season, there was just that incredible run between, what was it, I think, March and Ten, ten and games May. unbeaten, I think Absolutely, it was, yeah. unbeaten. And they kind of fell away at the end of last season. They had the three defeats and they just haven't come back from that. They've started poorly, but the biggest part of that has been, and I know it's been talked about a lot, but when you lose 12 first-team players, it's near enough impossible to then kind of expect them to click straight away. And we're still only in September. If you think like what their run actually was, I mean, they get pumped by Rangers. They managed to beat Greenock Morton in an eight-goal thriller. Drew with St Johnston, get done by Motherwell, uh, get done by Kilmarnock, and then I don't think they managed the game very well at all against Hearts. Like there was no real control of it. They took the lead, but it was very random. Like you could see that they were they didn't have uh, like I keep saying control of it, mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem. I mean, we talked about it before. Like he lost all those those players, but the signings he brought in do not look good enough. And it could be that they take time, and you know you need to give them some time to bed into the league, get used to it, and adjust. And that could be what uh, sorts him out. But there is so much negativity around them. I mean, looking because I followed the penalty shootout on Twitter, 
And when Ollie Shaw missed, the first comment underneath was, good, heck and bottom out. Is that and right? it's kinda, that's, I mean, that's what you're up against. You've got your own fans wanting to get knocked out of cups to lose because that is a feeling towards hecking bottom. And I think when you don't have the fans on side to that degree, that's when it becomes very difficult. Well, it was interesting going into that Edinburgh derby. The, the highlight was on both managers, the pressure that both both um, had on their shoulders. Uh, there was an interesting article that came out, um, an interview with Paul Heckingbottom about his style of management. One thing in particular was talking about psychology and how he really likes the psychological aspect of of coaching players. And saying when he first went into Hibs, there was a medical department, there was a sports science department, but there was no psychological department or psychology department um, at Hibernian, and that was one thing that he he wants to try and bring in but then you see him in post-match interviews and he slates his team this is going back to Neil Lennon (laughs) back to to Neil Lennon when when the team wasn't doing well and then he stopped doing post-match interviews and he wasn't um, he was just slating players how do you as a player kind of receive that information and try and do better when you know surely behind the scenes he's trying to get these players to be reacting to, to his message well, yeah negative coach breeds negativity yeah. so like you're, I mean you're taught in the most basic coaching thing that I did that you're meant to just if, if you are positive and you reward positivity and encourage you get the right response out of players but if you start acting in certain ways like negative ways that's exactly what you get off your players but then but Heckenbottom's like so if he's protected them before and now they're not giving him what he needs it becomes a point where it makes him look stupid defending them so the mentality he needs them to show now is one that they they get stuck in and really drive themselves on to get crucial points but he can't make them have that they have to have that within themselves so if he's not getting it by encouraging out of them maybe laying down the law is how he gets out of them but this is this is the other aspect of it he's lost 12 players he's brought in a whole haul of new players that are his guys and he's trying to you know instill this in them but then he goes out in the in the post-match interviews and, and absolutely slates them but moving on to talk a little bit about Celtic six wins out of six in the Premiership they're on fire Two league trips to Easter Road last season, though they failed to win and they failed to score. So, who knows? Maybe maybe Hibs have something to to look forward to. Charlie Nicholas will be hoping that odds on Edward if he scores that he celebrates with a bit more gusto, a bit more enthusiasm. But Edward I've responded. This. What was what was this? I so missed Ch- this one. Charlie Nicholas was scathing in the fact that Edward didn't celebrate his goals enthusiastically enough but on the Wednesday thing, no uh, I, I no, no any time any time he scored goals ah, okay. <laughs> um, but Edouard responded by saying I celebrate my goals how I want if you don't like it that's not my problem I mean it, it, the comments were made on the back of Kilmarnock and it was absolutely ludicrous to slate him in that situation because the first goal was an equaliser so from that situation you think can you go back to I mean, players before who have been slated for celebrating equalisers at the big clubs. You think of Giroud getting hauled back at Bournemouth mm. to the halfway line because he was celebrating too much after they came back from 3-3 because they want to go and get the winner. Mm. And then he does go and gets the goal to make it 2-1. And he did, he, there, was, there was a jump, there was a, there was a punch there. I mean, I don't know what more Charlie Nicholas wants. They've just scored a goal, they can do whatever they want. Um, Celtic, you know, they, they rested nine players um, on Wednesday. And still got a five 0 win over Partick Thistle. Yeah, but they've got, they're miles away from everyone else. Of they're miles yeah. ahead. So, so we are we all in agreement that this is easily a Celtic win against Hibs, despite yes. despite last season's performances. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it's a different. And obviously, we've talked about the psychology and everything, but the Hibs are in such a such a poor place at the moment, and Celtic with six wins out of six. I don't think Hibs have the midfield for it for a start. So they're going to have to. Like, they can't. I don't think they can keep the ball. I don't think they've got players that can keep it higher up the pitch. They've not really got anyone you can aim balls to as a target man. They've not got particular pace to hit them on the counter. Their best chance, I think, is Malin pinging it from about thirty yards. Sometimes in these games, you you find something weird happens because Celtic also think this is going to be easy and they don't turn up properly. But Neil Lennon is so wise to this kind of stuff because he's seen it so many times that I don't think he'd allow it. And changing players up like that, having competition for places. You think that then means that players who do go into the first eleven make sure that they don't lose their spot by actually putting in a job? Well, yeah, you, you raise a good point. Neil Lennon obviously going back to Hibs, and who knows? Maybe if uh, Celtic get the win, Hicking Bottom might actually be bottom if results go against them. Scottish teams have a long and proud history of success in Europe. 
Celtic, champions in 67. Aberdeen, UEFA Cup winners in 83, beating Real Madrid in the final. And it'll continue this season with... Uh, oh, no, wait, Celtic are out after losing at home to, uh, Kluge. But thankfully, with Paddy Power's money-back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the money-back special. Selected markets only. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. What a week it's been for Hearts. Victory in the Edinburgh Derby on Sunday. Then they came back against Aberdeen in the Betfred Cup with a stoppage time equaliser before winning on penalties at Tynecastle. This was all at a time when Craig Levine was under so much pressure and his players have finally shown some real guts. Levine uh, gave a lot of credit to Austin McPhee for the way he set up Hearts in the penalty shootout. I mean Taylor Hawkins. Yes, mm, but he players. said Austin McPhee, um, he was crediting him with the good work and research he did in making three Aberdeen players boot the ball over the bar. <laughs> well, you never know. God damn, that guy is good. Yeah, you never know. Could have psyched them out. Could have been psyched out. Maybe it was psyched, like in basketball. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. Um, Hart, like, yeah, Levine loves a good mind game, anyway. Yeah, he does. Hearts, um, I mean, that win over Hibs was, I think, very important. I think they played some nice football, and I think they were the better team on that side and deserved to win it. Hickey's goal from long range was... That's a nice win to win a derby like that. Nice win any game like that, but it, derby. It is. looked fantastic. I know it was a, a deflection, but it looked fantastic. And what a moment for the wee man as well. He's only seventeen or barely seventeen. I love when youngsters like that score in derbies, like massive games. You can tell them thinking about it for ages, like playing as yeah. themselves and pro evil, whatever. Yeah. You know. You can tell by his reaction as well. Like that meant a lot to him as well. The celebration. He was wiping everyone out his way. He wanted you know, to celebrate. You that know, moment. sometimes when you know a new transfer comes in and they kiss the badge or whatever like he's been at hearts for a long time as a youngster like you said he's been dreaming about it for ages when he grabbed it you knew he meant it it was really really special he's good against Aberdeen as well um, I think he can play either side as well he, he played right and left he played right and left in that game well he was covering for hearts because uh, of injuries recently they had Smith back in uh, against Aberdeen playing left and Hickey was on right for a lot of it I think Really tidy player. When you play that young, it tends to be that you go into really good things. So I, mean, I don't think he'll be at Hearts forever, but you'd think another couple of years. I think someone. I think it was Levine saying that uh, he needs to be there till he's about he's played about hundred games or something, because if he were to go somewhere else, like there's been apparently there's talk of Man City be interested, but sure. I'd imagine that is at some sort of uh, youth convention or something like that. I, I I would doubt Man City have phoned them up and been like, we want to buy a um, hickey off of you. It'll be that they've had conversations in certain points and they've gone, how is this boy getting on? Because he's playing first team football at 17 and he's scoring the winner, uh, the winner in Edinburgh Derby. So he's one to watch. But I'd imagine he'll play at a, no disrespect to hearts, but a higher level at some point in the well, future. Yeah, of course. I mean, this this is also, I know it's early, but it's certainly exciting from a Scottish perspective. Another you know, left back. Another left back. So um, but the fact that he's played right back, you know, maybe we should shape him into a right back. Maybe. Turn everyone into a right back. Let's get Lewis Ferguson playing right back now. That'll <laughs> help everyone. By the way, this the game against Aberdeen, the referee was Kevin Clancy. And I'm pretty sure he was just making up as he went along with like every sort of battle. So Ike Piazzi was back playing again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for the start, he was getting those fouls given against him for like battering people in the Being air. too physical. And then he was definitely getting taken out later on and wasn't getting anything for it. Like, it's really weird the way the referee... I mean, it's just... We talk about referees loads last season. Let's not do it. Well, yeah. It, well, Ed Piazzo is back. Uh, and a goal, and assist for him last Sunday. And some really interesting stepovers. Can we expect that against St Mirren? <laughs> Did you see this? Did you it see was, the stepovers and the lead up to the Hickey goal? That's the one thing I was going to say, is that it was such a Craig Levine goal in the sense that it was horrific Mickey taking from Mick Piazzo and this big deflection off the goal. It kind of had that trademark kind of Craig Levine smirk at the side of his face written all over it. <laughs> it is like so unnecessary, the little uh, <laughs> stepover. He's just standing still and no one's near him. No one's taking him on even. He's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I um, like it. Last time round, we bigged up St Mirren v Hamilton with some sarcastic guitar music. I would be sarcastic. I thought there was going to be all action. <laughs> Hell was going to break loose and it did. Well, it turned out our sarcasm was justified. A drub nil-nil. Um, or a drab nil-nil. Whatever you prefer. Uh, St Mirren 
Another team who are struggling, scoring only six goals in 10 games in all competitions this season. We said they made it tough for teams to score against them. They're quite organised, but they have to find some way to open up opposition defences. They've only scored more than one goal once this season, and that was in the League Cup against Dunfermline. And you'd, you'd think Hibs will get out of the hole they're in. You'd imagine St Johnston will too, and that leaves St Mirren basically bottom <laughs> yeah. if they do. Like I think they are. We said this before. I think they're a much better team uh, this season. I don't know how much you've watched the Sitmer and Harry, but like I think they're a much better this season than they were last. And I think Goodwin's got them better organised. Mm-hmm. They look better equipped to deal with teams who are going to throw things at them. And I'd imagine it'll be that they make use of things like set pieces and counter attacks. That everyone that's, who sits deep yeah. will be. That's exactly what both both the sides you'd expect to go down this season or the two sides you'd expect to find at the bottom in St Mirren and Hamilton. That's exactly what both those sides have done. It's all about organisation, it's about shape. They're very much aware that they do not have the players to take on other teams, so they're relying on being tight and not conceding a lot, and that's obviously what you saw in that game on Saturday. But I think that's where, obviously, you said you, you expect Hibbs and St Johnston to get out of yeah. the predicament that they're in. But that's, 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 what, that's, what make, that's what actually will make it a predicament is that when you go into these games against the likes of St Mirren and Hamilton is mm. that you will, you will find two very, very difficult teams to break down. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think you saw with the Aberdeen game on Wednesday that Hearts can play nice football and they, they, I mean, they played some nice stuff. Like they, I think they should have won that against Aberdeen and Aberdeen got lucky. I think they should have more enough for St Mirren. But, but you've, had, you've had other teams who can play nice football that have gone to St Mirren Park and really struggled this year. You look at Rangers, they was only 1-0 and that took a set piece yeah, to actually win as well. True. Listeners, it's time to talk about Harry's. Nothing to do with Mr Slavin over there. I'm talking about Harry's, the only razor capable of smoothly shaving a Scotsman. That's right, I've used it myself. thought you were looking a bit different today. Well, I'm a bit more scruffy today because I used it last week. We got our first box last week. And um, it's the first time I've been smooth like, like a... Like a what? <laughs> a turtle? <laughs> no, no, no. Just really smooth. Really, really smooth. It's the first clean shave I've had in probably about four years. I can swear by it. It's pretty damn good. Should, should add that it doesn't have to be a Scotsman. You can be an Englishman, a Welshman, and then maybe an man. Um, yes, of course. Why not? <laughs> Get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for three pounds ninety-five. Support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover, by going to harrys.com forward slash Scottish right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Scottish. The Blue Brazil are on the march in League 2. Cowdenbeath lost two of their opening three matches, but have been on fire since then, winning four in a row. We're joined now by Cowdenbeath director Tom Ewing. Tom, thanks for joining us, first of all. Why are Cowdenbeath known as the Blue Brazil? Uh, oh, that, that one's uh, lost in the midst of time a bit. Um, there's there's kind of... Uh, the most popular one is, is because we're playing blue and we've got the the date of a third world country. But um, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's perhaps the original one. It actually goes back to a time when um, we were playing uh, football, and I think Joe Craig was the manager at that time. Uh, and we actually he played a nice brand of football, and it just became something on the terrace, and it was just like watching Brazil. And then from that it grew the blue Brazil. So yeah, it's the. Uh, and it's stuck, uh, and now it's uh, trademarked actually um, yeah. as Blue Brazil to Cowdenbeath Football Club. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of stuck, and it's where a lot of people all over the world know the football club as the Blue Brazil. So, is it applicable this season? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Maybe not quite Brazil, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's second Blue. division football. So <laughs> sometimes it's got to be. Sometimes a bit agricultural, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you do what you need to win a game. So uh, sitting, in third well, now. Yeah. sitting in third just yeah. now, and um, that's uh, after two successive relegations and narrowly avoiding the drop. Yeah, it's going well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, through the through the pain of two playoffs uh, after finishing as as club forty two, <sighs> um, you know, we, we finished sixth last year. So you know, that was a, a kind of stabilisation. We didn't have the greatest of starts. We lost. Uh, 
you know, the first couple of we lost the first game three 0 Um but uh, the players that we've brought in uh, and the players that we kept on and it just seems to to have worked, certainly this early in the season. So what, yeah, it's great. Tom, what kind of processes do you put in place when a club's been through a difficult period? You you mentioned those those playoffs that you, you got through, but you know, facing those relegations that you had, what do you do? What does the club do to try and, you know, stimulate the, the, the progress of the club? Yeah, well, you know, actually, it's been a it's been a very steep learning curve, and um, it's just a, it's just massive. Uh, I mean, you think it, it was four years ago we were in the championship, mm. um, but the 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 reduction in funding from the championship to the first division is massive. Um, so therefore, what what happens is you know you lose your manager, most of your players go away because the better players they're signed by clubs who are still in that league. Um, so you, you just every time that happens, you have a massive rebuilding process to do, and and very very little time. You know you don't finish the playoffs till mid May, and then you're starting again by the start of July, and and you've got to have a signed up team ready to go. So it's massively difficult, and I think you know you just need to look at uh, Brecon, who have who have actually had the same pathway as us: Championship, First Division, Second Division, and it, it's it's really really difficult. It, it's massively difficult. Um, so you've just got to work. Really, really hard, and I would say you know try and get the the, the right manager in um, to to kind of stabilise things, and um, I think that's what we've done. I think uh, Gary's made a massive difference to us. Do you think the it's a, a weird question? Do you think the standards kind of improved in League Two in recent years, especially with like Cove coming up um, for this season? They they've started the season really well, and obviously are just ahead of yourselves. But Edinburgh City have quite a bit of money, and they're pushing. Yeah, to be honest, I, I think when the trap door when it was put in place, um, forced clubs to spend more money because, you know, if you, at the old, under the old days, if you finished as Club 42, it didn't really matter. Now, it, it's oblivion, basically. Um, if you look at East Stirling, not, not a bit, it's maybe unfair, you know, to go down the Lowland League. But, you know, in terms of being a member of the Scottish League for 100 and odd years, as these clubs have been, to then drop down and, and the clubs below are well-funded. So... I think clubs have had to spend more money on on better players. So yeah, I think the quality is is much better. Yeah. You you mentioned Gary Bowling bringing him into the club was a change for the better. Kept the club up in 2018, mid table last season. How do you sum up the job he's done? Yeah, it's difficult difficult to quantify because you know when he came in, we were bottom of the league. He, he wasn't able to. Um, stop us finishing bottom of the league, but we won the playoff. And after that, you know, once he had a bit of time to get the players that he wanted to bring in and keep the players that he wanted to keep, then you, you know you've got a manager there who's who's been there and done it. He knows players, he knows clubs, and he's just able to um, work around the leagues and and you know identify the players that that will just take you that bit further. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think Gary and the team have done a, a great job in, in sort of, you know, going from Cub 42 to 6 last year and we're sitting third at the moment and nobody's counting their chickens, but, you know, we're doing we're doing well. Uh, so it's great. Tom, you spent 30 years as a police officer. Which has been more stressful? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you that finishing bottom of the league two years in a row has, has been unbelievably stressful. It, it's the, it's just, it's just the pressure of, you feel the weight of... The town, you know, the fans, it's horrendous and I never, ever, ever want to go through it again. (laughs) (laughs) 30 years as a police officer, man. Surely that's that's more stressful. But but more news, um, (laughs) lower down the leagues. Big managerial change in the championship because Air United may have sold Laura Shankland in the summer. They've been matching Shankland's new club, Dundee United, stride for stride at the top of the table. But, They've lost Ian McCall, who's taken over at Partick Thistle, replacing Gary Caldwell. McCall managed at Furhill before taking the air job, and he's literally swapped the team joint top of the league for the team at the bottom of the league. I've, I've seen this happen before with a few managers and clubs and all sorts, some change in league. But is this, you know, Partick Thistle fans must be pleased. Well, you think so. I mean, he, he really wanted that job, says much himself. I don't know what the budgets are, but I would imagine Partick's is probably better, especially in the long term, for long-term planning, than what Air have. So were he to turn them around, he's more likely to have success getting them into the Premiership and keeping them there than if it was if it were Air 
if you could keep them at top there and go through. I mean, you've got obviously it's a very competitive league, but maybe it's money as well. <laughs> maybe well, it depends what he's getting paid. I mean, McCall's already spoken about it, and he did say that he just feels that Park Thistle has got the infrastructure of a Premiership side. Yeah. So from that perspective, doesn't say much about air. And you do worry about the impact that it would have on air season, the fact that sure. your manager is actually telling you, look, I don't actually think we've actually got the infrastructure here to actually go up. So you wonder what, it'll be interesting to see what the impact is on air now. And especially given how kind of difficult their recruitment process looks like it's going to be as well. Mm-hmm. He has brought back Alan Archibald as his number two, which, yep. is that a bit of a masterstroke? You know, Archibald was sacked at the club um, when he was manager there, but now he's back as number two. He's he's liked by a lot of the players who has continued at the club. Maybe he knows. Maybe he has the keys still for the extra football, so they can do more practice in the training ground or something. (laughs) He said he said that he's um, he's brought him back as kind of like the kind of the for the good cop bad cop routine. Right. So Ian McCall is most certainly the bad cop, and he's hoping that Alan Archibald will. uh, get the players on side it's a strange one bringing back a manager's assistant I'm not sure how that kind of works and are you almost kind of left there with two competing bosses if it's not going right but I, I assume there must be some relationship there already with Alan Archibald yeah, being at the club when he McCall played, he played, was, yeah, I think he played McCall, for, I think he played yeah yeah for sure and so. you know your job you just make sure you're in charge of coaching and stuff like that and let the manager pick all the big things mm-hmm. is it true he's a bad cop you've met him haven't you Ian McCall <laughs> I've met him, yes. Um Was he a bad cop to you? Uh, no, he was he was perfectly pleasant. He just pointed out that when we were playing five aside, this was when Ian McCall was the Queen of the South manager and me and my friends used to book out a pitch, which was like a three G pitch that Queen of the South used to train on on Monday nights, I think it was. And um he just noticed that none of us were wearing Queen of the South tops and was like, why aren't you wearing Queen of the South tops? Why aren't you supporting your local team? And, you know, he just pointed that out. Uh, Queen of the South have a new addition, 10 new additions um, at the club. 10 new wheelie bins have My been God. announced on Twitter, donated by the Queen's Trust. Um, we tried to think of some bin puns, but they were all rubbish. Yeah. Um, I actually put that out on Twitter and I, I apologise for not having as good... Yeah, um, Twitter is notoriously receptive to puns. Yeah, I know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Queen of the South retweeted it and we're like, oh, this is so good. Um, just bins. Just bins, guys. Top bins. Top bins. Oh, that top was bins. it. Now you've top got it. Bins. Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. We've just been talking about Partick Thistle's new manager, Lee. What impact can he have and where are you expecting the Jags to finish? Yeah, well, clearly Ian McCall's inherited a tricky situation at the Jags, but to be fair, reason for optimism, he did all right with them in the past, didn't he, in the second tier? Currently, though, clearly they're the favourites for relegation. That won't surprise you, but this might. It's only 5-2 to two that McCall steers Partick to a top-half finish this season. It's Rangers v Aberdeen tomorrow, and all we want to know about is red cards, please. <laughs> Your wish is my command. Call me the bet, Genie. For a red card in the Rangers-Aberdeen fixture, it's 11-4. to While Aberdeen are 11-2 to to get a man sent off, Rangers are lengthy 8-1. to And I know you want red cards, but just quickly, to win the game, Rangers are 1-4 to odds-on favourites. And train spotting's Irvin Welsh thinks Hibs might go down. What say, Paddy Power? Yeah, it's not the most optimistic take, is it? But to be fair, it's not been a great start to the season for Hibs. And that late turnaround in the Edinburgh derby won't have helped things. We do think they'll be OK, though. It's a massive 12-1 to 1 Hibs finishing the bottom two. And 16-1 to 1 they go down. In fact, they're a much shorter price finishing the top six. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. Lovely turn by Richard Foster. Deep cross beyond Graham, but Stewart's there! And surely now County have turned this right round! Kilmarnock hosts Ross County on Saturday. The Staggies secured a shock victory at Motherwell last weekend. So we're joined now by Ross County's supporter liaison officer, Kenny McLennan. Kenny, how do you judge this start to the season? You win at Motherwell, you get thrashed at home by Livingston. It's a bit up and down, but is it is it to be expected? 
I would say so. and Maybe not so much the Livingston uh, result. I was a wee bit disappointed in that. I don't think we turned up in the first half. Um, and to be honest, Livy, it looked to me like Livy had done their homework and they didn't give us any time on the ball. They just got stuck into us and almost what we did to Hamilton on the first day. What are the expectations for the season then? Is it, is it just survival? Absolutely. I was just going to say that. Um, you know, that's something that um, the two managers said at the start of the season is that, you know, expectations need to be realistic you know we need to know you know okay we won the championship a lot of people were saying that we were expected to do that now when you've got Dundee United in there and Inverness Cali and everybody else you know it's 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 a great league it's a competitive league so um you know to come up to this league now we're probably gonna have the ball a lot less uh we'll probably be changing things the way we the way we play um but I still think I still think we'll throw up a few surprise results. You know, I, I think there's enough in the squad. You know, you look at the squad that we've got. We've retained pretty much, apart from Scott Fox, almost the whole championship winning squad. Um, apart from J- Jamie Lindsay as well, losing Jamie Lindsay that was a bit of a a bit of a kicker. But you know, you look at it. We've just taken in the boy Henderson as well from Celtic. You know, we, we do have a good squad. It's quite an attractive squad to watch. You know, when, when they're on their game. They can do the business. So, you know, when we played the way we played against Hearts, it's just a shame we didn't take the chances when they were there, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the the, the the results we've had and the points tally we've got. I'm, I'm not too disappointed, really. I think, um, you know, um, we've done okay. Um, and I, I still think we'll still throw up a few surprise results, you know, when people come up to Dingwall and stuff like that, you know. Well, speaking of that squad, there's a, a player in that squad who only Ryan Christie, Odin Edward and Jermaine Defoe have scored more Premiership goals than this season, which is Ross Stewart. Is that something of a revelation? <laughs> He's not been a pro that long, right? What, what do you know about, uh, about Ross Stewart? He's been just like absolutely superb. The amount of work that boy does off the ball and, um, you know, the way he links up, you know, you stick him out, out wide, he does what he's, he's he's told out there, you know, he comes in the box, he scores important goals, he, he just does a power of work, you know, he's a real breath of fresh air for us. You know, we picked that boy up and he was highly rated, mm. um, he was highly rated at St Mirren, but, you know, when we got him, I just think he was just, uh, he came up, he was young looking, but he seems to put a bit of meat on the bones, I don't know if he's been doing extra gym work on that, but he just looks a bit more solid, he just looks... He looks a different player this season. I think he'll be a big one for us this season. He moves around quite a bit as well, right? He's not just a striker. I know he oh, yeah. plays wide Absolutely. and behind in the hole as well. Yeah, right? and you even see him back, tracking back as well and making defensive um, tackles and stuff as well. You know, he's, he's a key player. And, you know, if we can keep the guy fit, you know, he's going to be a big one. A lot of people were saying, you know, he, he might even get a Scotland shout. You know, why not? Why not? He's got that stature about him. He'd be great at set pieces and stuff, you know. Just To be fair to him, I'd try and stay away from that squad if you could just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's doing his... boys keeping his head down. He's doing his work and he's he's a lovely guy and it's just like, uh, you know, uh, I'm just delighted we've got him, to well, be Stuart, honest. Stuart Kettlewell, the, the co-manager, he said he's an intelligent lad, which you can't say of many of us in football. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got a, yes. he's got a brain on him. That's harsh. Yes, brain. that's right. And and you know, you look at guys like that and you look at like, like you know, like guys like Stephen Naismith and stuff as well. They could do anything, I suppose, whatever they wanted, but football was their thing. Mm-hmm. And he, he's he's gonna be um a big player for us this season. I just think he'll 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 be one of the standouts this season for us anyway. Speaking to those at Ross County, um they definitely think that there is a big future for them. They've been really impressed with them so far this season. It's your secret source. Is it a player? Is it? It's. I can't say. I couldn't possibly say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, his ability in the air has caught the eye, um, and he's just got that knack of being in the right place at the right time. We've mentioned this before when you've been on, but you are mm-hmm. the Ross County drummer, <laughs> and okay. you and your wife Amy made history this summer. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, yeah, well, the drum's been retired at the moment because, um, I don't know if I said this on the show last time, but uh, when Jamie Lindsay scored that equaliser against Dundee United, um, which was a really important point for us, um, I put the drumstick through the skin. (laughs) Everything, the whole J-Lane just went mental that night. uh, Yeah, the drum took it that night, so um, took one for the squad. (laughs) Nice one. But yes, um, no, uh, yeah, we both got married um, on the 29th of June at uh, Ross County. Um, Oh, congratulations. um, Congratulations, that's great. Thanks very much. The the whole thing was was, was there, so uh, we got married 
Um, so was that and, the first? Was that the first marriage at the ground ever? Yeah, first first wedding at, at Ross County, like you know, and it's where we both met, and uh, so it really couldn't have been anywhere else where we'd wanted to do it. And the club were absolutely brilliant; they were very supportive. They just let us have the place and just said, "You just guys, just do what you want." Oh. So we just we arranged everything like harpist, and we had all the stuff, exploding balloons at the end of the night, and just uh, it was just amazing, oh, just fantastic. fantastic. And would, yeah. would you trade it all for a premier a premiership win? <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm not going to say that because the city's not very far away from me. Achilles League form is picked up of late, but a 0 0 draw with Hibs on Wednesday, followed by elimination from the Betfred Cup on penalties. Missed some big chances, but they haven't got the hang of um, scoring goals yet. I know Eamon Brophy scored last week against Celtic. It was quite a good goal, but that was his first of the season, really. Yeah, but we talked about the way Brophy doesn't score that much quite a bit. I mean, like it's, mm-hmm. He needs his his other half, Greg Stewart, mm-hmm. to be in, in amongst it. But he's not there. Uh, I don't know. We talked about this Kilmarnock quite a bit, right? Um, so Celtic got the lead against Celtic, who had the league for quite a while as well. Mm-hmm. But you'd expect Celtic to beat them because they have the better players. It's kind of inevitability in the, in the Premiership just now. The cup result will be a bit gutting, but the worry should be that they get top six again. Mm-hmm. That should be what they're going mm-hmm. for and pushing for fourth if they're, if they're lucky. But there's not, I don't think it's been disastrous so far. And you can see there's no, progress being not. made. No, like, of course not. That's absolutely I think, not, they think before the Celtic game, they had four straight clean sheets. So th- this is something of a trait of Kilmarnock. Even last season, they scored 50 goals in 38 games, which is fewer than Aberdeen and Hibs. And that's how they got third. Being tight at the back is one thing, but they have to score goals. They have to be more influential up front, feeding Eamon Brophy and giving him the opportunities. But they're not, you know, the likes of Chris Burke is not providing enough up front. It's and Leighton Miller need, as well. Like, yeah, they need, they need more support from midfield. Yeah, but it's, the, I mean, all their chances were mostly created from wide areas and then scored second balls in the box at the back of that. And a lot of teams who play like Kermit did last season, who make use of counter-attacks very well, when they do so well and finish third, other teams are then like, well, this is a good team now, so we'll sit back and deny them that chance. Exact same thing, I remember really well happened to Aberdeen after McInnes came in, mm-hmm. did the same thing, because they sat back and counter-attacked, it's good fun to watch. This following season, everyone's like, well, we'll sit back and stop this, and it shuts them right down. And that's not <laughs> necessarily what's happening every single week with, with Killy, but they're missing like <laughs> Jordan Jones, they haven't got Greg Stewart, Brophy needs someone to give him chances. It's all right, I think, I think they'll be all right, I think it's coming together. We gave Motherwell the big one last week. They could have gone second with a win last Saturday, but they were beaten at home by Ross County, as we've just mentioned. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, we we shouldn't give teams the big up, but no. we, we can't help ourselves. This Saturday, though, it's a trip to Perth to face St Johnston, who are bottom of the Premiership. The only team yet to record a victory. This should be an easy one for Motherwell, isn't it? Let's big them up again. It's not easy. <laughs> It's really, really difficult. And that Ross County thing was a bit of an upset as well. But I know Harry's got strong feelings on St. Johnston. They're not strong feelings, but <laughs> I, I just I just think that I think they may find themselves, and, and I know we're kind of reluctant to kind of, at this stage of the season, to hammer a manager, but you just get the feeling with Tommy Wright that it's not working out. You think that there is a team there. There's a, He's definitely got the players, but there's... There's no, doesn't seem to be any cohesion. There's been a lot of bad results. The Rangers result, the second half collapse, was pretty alarming. And you just kind of think that there maybe needs to be, something needs to change there. And you look at it being the manager. I don't think he sends out sometimes the right signals on the touchline, blowing kisses to the crowd when they came back against Hibs. I don't know if you're a player, what you make of that. And the fact that he's now taken on Amy McDonald, I think it's the sign of a man who's... Well, he signed her. You're playing right wing, Amy. (laughs) Well, no, because Amy McDonald came out and had a pop at him and he actually, in a very petty way, had to go back. I mean, surely you just you just ignore that. This was in defence of uh, Richard Foster, wasn't it? Who's the husband of Amy McDonald, who yes. used to play for St Johnston and now plays for Ross He's County. County. Yeah. But dismiss it, yeah, just the, the way he kind of... She's not just had a pop at Tommy Wright either. She's had a pop at the Scotland National nah, they're both at it. They're both at it. But like, <laughs> the thing with, like, with Wright is getting old pelters from everywhere. I think eventually you're going to want to back at something you don't want to just take it you want to stand up for yourself and I think um, I agree with what Harry's saying but I also think I don't know if she doesn't have the players I think they've got a really weak squad like they don't have anything in attack you'd be worried about there's nothing midfield I think it's, I mean even Craig still 
one of their best players. You'd say Murray Davidson, maybe, but like uh, Tanzer as well. Actually, quite decent. They've got, maybe we've got three. <laughs> <laughs> they've, got, they've got, of course, they've got a squad that have done well um, over the past few seasons. Tommy Wright has always built good teams that are good at this mm, level. But they, they've always been mid table. Yeah, like, they've always yeah. been mid table. You, you you look back on the new year when they went on an incredible run of wins, didn't they? It was amazing. But um, Ross County, St Mirren. Hamilton and then Hearts are their next couple of games all throughout October. You want to go into this month with a win. If they can get a win against Motherwell, I think if they can get more wins throughout October, of course, of course, if they get more wins, you know, the talk will disappear. But I just think that St Johnston, we need to hold off a little while. Well, yeah, obviously with, with all, but then at the same time, like you obviously you can turn that on, on its head. And I mean, this is in the same period of time it could be the final nail in Tommy Wright's coffin as well. Do if, you think? Well, I mean, I'd look at those fixtures and you'd worry, especially going away to Ross County and away to St Mirren. I mean, I think St Johnson would expect to pick up points those games. And if they don't, then that's when the real trouble comes from. Well, I mean, like, it's like something the, that they've failed maybe, to do all season. I like the idea of them carrying a coffin around and put a final nail in. It's when they go 1-0 down, there's someone like, you know when they, they scribe a name <laughs> to a trophy? <laughs> oh someone my like, God. So, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to put them in the ground. It's just a funny, uh, well, who knows, funny who, bit of symbolism. Who knows if the if the writing is on the wall for uh, for Tommy Wright, maybe Motherwell also, will yeah, deliver and, that. And quickly, Motherwell, it'll be nice if they kept up what they've been doing because uh, the start of the season was very, very good and they've been very impressive. So yep. it, if they could keep that up going in here, you think they'll do well at the end of the season? Absolutely. Uh, moving on, finally, Hamilton v Livingston. Livingston played really well against Rangers on Wednesday in the Betfred Cup, but they couldn't hit the target. They had a number of chances. They, they really showed that they can be quite an exciting team. I think they defended well. They were very aggressive. Like Yeah, of course. Lyndon Dykes just continues to impress for me. What an exciting little player. That little... Little? Um, he's massive! Well, sorry. <laughs> what what an exciting little surprise he's, he's been. He's, he's a horribly niggly player to play against, as Helander and Goldson found out. Um, but yeah, it's just, as you said, it's just kind of hitting the target and adding those goals that Livingston need to do. Really. That's what that's what they're missing. Uh, um, this game against Hamilton is going to be two teams just like ramming into each other. Like the football equivalent of Robot Wars. Just two of the big lads smashing into each other. <laughs> I predict very little football. Just pinged in the air. It's at Hamilton. It's on that that pitch. It's not the one covered in little black balls. But I mean, what do you expect from this game? Certainly not ticky taka. The one thing you can say about Hamilton uh, and Rice's team is that they they must have high fitness levels because um, they're apparently the only Premiership side yet to concede in the last half hour of a game this season. They're also it's not that they're dependent on him, but George Oakley's been really, really good for him this season so far, and he's missing it because he was sent off against St Mirren. When he should never have been sent off either. <laughs> well, yeah, the second yellow you're talking about, right? Yeah, it was just, it was, it was a very much just a 50 50 challenge. And you saw by his reaction and other players' reactions that they couldn't quite believe it. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you, JJ. Thanks to Harry, and thanks to the Little Kicks for that lovely little theme song. And thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, feel free to tweet us at any time because we love to hear from you. We'll be back next Friday ahead of Aberdeen v Hibs and Hearts v Kilmarnock. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Totally